This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. If the Bible is only used for information, zero benefit. Zero benefit. Reminds me of a carpenter that one time was at my house, and he had never seen a Bible before. So when he says, oh, is this a Bible? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, I'm, I'm really interested in that. And he picked it up, and he was showing a little interest. And then he cautioned himself, says, no, well, I'm not that interested in it, he said. <laughs> he said, I don't mean that. I don't want any change in my life. Interest in the Bible as just a book will not help a person. The Bible has to be coupled with the response, with the response, because the Bible, says, the Bible says about the Bible in 1 Timothy 3.16, 1 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, for instruction in what is right. So the Bible does those four things for us. All scripture, that's the Bible, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, what is right. For reproof, what is not right in our lives. For correction, how to get right in our lives. For instruction in righteousness, how to stay right. That's what the Bible is. And the Bible has no value. No value unless a person comes to it and saying, I want to know what's right. I want to know what's not right in my life. I want to know how to get right in my life. I want to know how to stay right in my life. That's what scripture is. And then David goes on and tells Solomon, Solomon, you need to serve God with a perfect heart. The word perfect there means whole. There has to be, it's really saying, Solomon, when you serve God, no half-hearted service here. Just wholehearted service, as David wrote. In Psalm 9, verse 1, Psalm 9, verse 1, I will, when you praise, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. When you seek God, 
And David also wrote in Psalm 119.2, Psalm 119.2, seek him with the whole heart. When you obey, when you obey, David also wrote in Psalm 119.34, Psalm 119.34, I will keep thy law, yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. When you pray, when you pray, David wrote in Psalm 119.58, Psalm 119.58, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Psalm 119.145, 119.145, I cried with my whole heart, hear me. So he's saying to Solomon, whole heart here, Solomon, not half heart, whole heart. It's gotta, you gotta be all in here. Keep thy heart, as Solomon did write later on, in Proverbs 4.23, Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart, guard thy heart, shamar, grab, guard thy heart, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life, issues of life. But it's very interesting that David has started off in advising Solomon, and he said, first of all, Solomon, know God. Know God, then serve God. Not serve God and know God, but know God first, and then serve him. Because the tragedy of the so-called many that the Lord spoke about, the tragedy was just in this area. The tragedy was a group of people who thought they were going to heaven, absolutely 100% sincerely convinced, sincerely convinced, they are going to heaven, no question about it, only to be cast out into hell. In Matthew 7.22, 7.22, where the Lord said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and then thy name hath done many wonderful works. Sounds pretty good. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There was a lot of service in there, a lot of service, and it looked pretty good. What's wrong with preaching in Jesus' name? What's wrong with, with, uh, with casting out devils in Jesus' name? What's wrong with doing many wonderful works in Jesus' name? What's wrong with that? So what was it that made the Lord call all of their service iniquity? He said in, in the Matthew 7, 23, 7, 23, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. They served without personally knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And that made their service iniquity. Obedience is only possible by first knowing God personally. That's why David started off by saying, Solomon, number one, first, first priority, know, know the God of your father. When Pharaoh, of all people, was right, or he, well, he was right, I, I don't know, he, not that he was right, he, he, he said it, it's very interesting what he said. Pharaoh was approached by Moses, and he says, God says, let, let my people go, let the Jewish people go, let those slaves go. And, and Moses says, I'm not going to obey God. And what he said in Exodus 5.2 is so good. Exodus 5.2, Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. What Pharaoh was saying there is that I'm not going to obey God because I don't know him. And so this is what Solomon is being told by David. Know God, then you'll be able to obey him. Then you will obey him. And, 
and, and then he says, with a willing mind, Solomon, a willing mind. In other words, uh, as it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, every man according as he purposes in his heart, let him give. Not grudgingly, nor of necessity. Not grudgingly, like, why do I have to do this? And not of necessity. If I have to, I will. But if I could, I wouldn't. So, and then he tells Solomon, he says, Solomon, I'm talking to you about what's happening in your heart, about you having a whole heart, about you being willing. And I want you to understand, Solomon, that you are being watched. There is no such thing as a secret. And David could tell that from his own painful experience. And he said, he said, uh, and he, and he says, Solomon, uh, and maybe he would say to Solomon, Solomon, you can imagine, Solomon, uh, you remember Adam and the first sin and what happened there in Genesis 3.10, Genesis 3.10, and he said, uh, so Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. In Hebrews 4.13, it speaks about nakedness. Hebrews 4.13, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes with him we have to do. Solomon, you are watched. You are being watched. Your heart is being watched. Your heart's being watched. In Jeremiah 17.9, Jeremiah 17.9, God said, the heart, the heart of man, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And then God asks a question. He asks a question. Who can know it? Who can know the heart? He asks the question and he answers the question when he says in verse 10, Jeremiah 17.10, 17.10, he says, I, the Lord, search the heart and try the reins. So he says, you're being watched. And then David says, I'm going to go a little deeper with you, Solomon. I've talked about service, heart, that's inward. And now I'm going to even go even deeper inside of you and talk about the imagination of your thoughts. The imagination of your thoughts. is Solomon, the imaginations of your thoughts are being watched by God. It talks about the thought, and Solomon writes about that in Proverbs 24.9. Proverbs 24.9, Solomon writes, the thought of foolishness is sin. And man says, that's not sin. That's just what you think. That's harmless. Nobody sees that. No, God said, that's sin. Well, if I go murder somebody, that's sin. That's an act. And God says, yes, that's sin. But also the thought that you wanted to murder somebody, oh, I would just kill him if I could. That's sin. That's sin. And so, and so th th this, is where, uh, this is where David is counseling Solomon. He's saying, Solomon, it's your imagination, your thoughts. They're, wa they're being watched by God, and he's assessing those. He could have said to, to Solomon, Solomon, don't forget that all of mankind was destroyed, except for a family of eight, was destroyed because of the thoughts, the imagination of their thoughts. It says in, in Genesis 6-5, Genesis 6-5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Only evil continually. You say, and Solomon could say, well, I'm a pretty good son. I'm a good son. And David would say, no, no, no. He says, because your heart, your heart, Solomon, it's evil. 
Our hearts are evil. It's such a shocking thing when the Lord Jesus was speaking to his disciples, to his part of his inner group, his disciples, and he says to them in Matthew 7.11, Matthew 7.11, he says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? You can imagine the disciples saying, evil? Who's he talking about? Now they wouldn't have said that because they knew that they were dirty, rotten sinners. They knew that. So they said, yep. But he said that to his own. You then being evil. So what does that teach? What does that teach you, Solomon, if David was speaking to Solomon? What does that teach you? You have to get good at restraining yourself. You have to get good at self-restraint because your heart is evil. And you have to, Solomon, you have to learn how to culture and how to nourish righteousness. Because you have, as we all do, a heart that's prone to wander, prone to leave the God we love. Take my heart, O Lord, I feel it. I feel it. I feel that proneness. And so we have to be very careful. We have to be very careful. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see on television. Be careful, little eyes, what you see in movies. Why? Because we're all into now being cautious. We're all into like uh, wearing masks to protect ourselves, socially distancing to protect ourselves. Well, we need to spiritually wear a mask. We need to spiritually distance ourselves from that which would corrupt, that which would trigger the evilness within us to rise up and make it more difficult for us to restrain ourselves. And we have to then learn to how to culture, how to nourish, how to culture and nourish the other side, the righteousness side. That's why singing hymns, is so valuable. That's why we have this, anybody wants a hymnal, we've got them here just to give it to you for free. Great hymnal, thousand hymns, sing the hymns. And that's why we're making a CD halfway through, about 400 and some odd, uh, of all of those hymns set to piano accompaniment music. And if you want one of those, see me too. To help sing those hymns. And we're also making another CD of a person singing the hymns. So just, uh, anyway. Because all of that is a culturing and a nurturing to turn away from self and to turn to God. So what's the difference, Solomon would say? What's the difference between the heart, you've talked about serve God with a perfect heart, and the imaginations? Well, the the heart is the place where the passions come from. It's the place where the feelings come from. It's the place where purposes come from. But the thoughts, those are the plans. Those are the imaginations. The heart has a passion to steal. Oh, I'd like to get that. I got a passion to steal. The thoughts come up with, here's the plan. Here's how I'm going to do it. So David is saying, watch out for both of those areas. Then he tells Solomon, he said, this is the greatest promise in the Bible. The greatest promise in the Bible in the last part of verse 9. He says, if thou seek him, he will be found of thee. Wow, what a great promise. Great encouragement to seek God. Great encouragement because of what David said. Another great encouragement to seek God is to realize God sought us first. That's a great encouragement for us to seek God. He says, the Lord Jesus gave his mission statement in Luke 19.10, Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That which is lost. That's why child evangelism is so great, because child evangelism follows along what Solomon wrote in Proverbs 8.17, Proverbs 8.17, I love them that that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me early in life. Jeremiah put it, Jeremiah put it in Jeremiah 29, 13, 29, 13. You shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart, with all your heart. A person 
can't live in heaven unless he seeks God on earth. Unless he seeks God on earth. Because our tendency is to not seek God. Our tendency is to be like Isaiah 53.6. Isaiah 53.6, our tendency is to be like, are we like sheep that gone astray? We turn everyone to his own way. With Frank Sinatra's song backing us up, I did it my way. Whereas God says, seek him. Seek him for what? Seek him so you can be dependent on him. Dependent on him for what? Dependent on him for his power, like we mentioned. Dependent on the power that's described in Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to exceedingly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power which worketh in us. Seek him to be dependent on him for salvation. For salvation. Romans 3.24, Romans 3.24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. So that he can be for us, Romans 3.26, Romans 3.26, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Seek him for help in life, just daily help. Like Paul wrote in Acts 26.22, Acts 26.22, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day. I don't think anybody in the Bible was more helped than Paul. It seems like every history that you turn to in the book of Acts is, is about Paul's in trouble again and God's helped him. God's helped him. Why doesn't a person naturally seek God? Why doesn't a person seek God? A person doesn't seek God because he's in love with himself. He loves himself. A person doesn't seek God because he's not willing to see himself as a dirty, rotten sinner. No, I don't want to see myself as a dirty, rotten sinner. Are you kidding? Sinner, what are you talking about? Not me. He doesn't want to see that. A person doesn't seek God because he loves the world. He loves the world, the world that hates God. The world, but he loves the world. Like Lot's wife. Lot's wife turned around. I love that place, Sodom. I don't care about the homosexuality. I love Sodom. She turned around. She became a monument of pillar of salt. A person doesn't seek God because they enjoy sin. They enjoy the sin. They just don't want to part with it. I like it. And they don't seek God. A person doesn't seek God because his friends have nothing to do with God. I love my friends. I like being with my friends. But finding God is conditional because as David told Solomon, if, big word, conditional, if, if you seek him, Solomon, he will be found of you. And then comes the worst, most uh, terrible statement in the Bible, which is the second, the last part of verse 9. These two statements are promises. They're the most valuable promise in the Bible, and they're the most terrible promise in the Bible. If thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. That's the greatest self-inflicted wound or harm that a person can do to themselves, which is to turn their back on God. Turn their back on God. As Solomon wrote again in Proverbs 8.36, Proverbs 8.36, he said, God says, he that sins against me wrongs his own soul. All they that hate me love death. They love death. The, uh, a person turns their back on God and he loves this evil world. This is a, there's a phrase that's used called this present evil world. This present evil world. Demas was a person in 1 Timothy 4.10, 1 Timothy 4.10, who Paul said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present evil world, this present world. The Lord Jesus came to deliver us 
from this evil world. It says in Galatians 1.4, Galatians 1.4, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. And we are now saved. We are to know how to live, how to culture, how to nourish the right way, how to restrain, how to be protected from the wrong way. As it says in, in Titus 2.12, Titus 2.12, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, this present world. You know, the, uh, the story of Larry Rust is still sobering to me today, even though it happened so long ago. Larry was a friend of mine. He was my neighbor in Lakeside. Larry was kind of an um, old, crusty Navy guy and uh, didn't want to hear anything about God. And I tried to talk to Larry about God, and he um, pretty much made it known that he wasn't interested, politely but firmly not interested. So I said, okay, why try to destroy the relationship with the neighbor later, later? So uh, it happened that Larry Russ got cancer. He got prostate cancer. And so his wife, uh, Charlotte, told me. And so I said, I got to go visit Larry. Well, at that time, he was at Navy Hospital, the old Navy Hospital in Balboa Park. So I went over to the Navy Hospital, and uh, all the cancer patients were in the basement there. So I went down to the basement, and... Um, have my big black Bible with me. I said, okay, I gotta talk to Larry. This guy had prostate cancer. So I went down there and I, I just appeared in the in the doorway of his room. He saw me there with my big Bible and he just had a he made a scene. He started yelling, No, no God, no Bible, get out of here, get out of here. He was yelling at me. And it was it was so I said, Okay, Larry, okay, I'm I'm leaving. And I left. And uh I thought, okay, well, I'll give him a couple days, cool back, I'll cool off, and I'll go back without my Bible. So I went back to Navy Hospital a few days later without my Bible. And um, I went down to the basement, and I said, uh, is, is Larry here? Where's Larry? And the nurse says to me, and who wants to know? I thought, that's strange. And so I said, uh, Tom. And she goes, oh, so you're Tom. Well, let me sell, tell you something, Mr. Tom. She said, Larry Russ died last night, but all through the night, he screamed at the top of his voice, Tom, Tom, where's Tom? Bring Tom. If thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Proverbs, again, Solomon's writing, Proverbs 1.23, Proverbs 1.23. Proverbs says, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called, and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But you have said it not, all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me. But I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. So David warned Solomon, Solomon, a lot's on the line here. If you forsake him, he'll cast you off forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these words of uh, David gave to his son. 
And we pray that you would just take the words that David gave to his son and that, Lord, you as our Father would impress them upon our hearts as your sons. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.